Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Journey to Grateful podcast, designed to help clarify the process of loss and grief through shared experiences from myself and others living through loss. I'd like to consider this podcast for you, your resource for strength while navigating your grief journey. And I'm your host, Tim Begonia, and this is show number 98. I will contrast and compare common myths and realities of grief while sharing my experiences through this podcast, my blog, and on social media. Together, you and I will build a community resource to help society better understand grief how it affects us as we attempt to move forward, and how best to navigate our grief journey. I invite you to join the community on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to the podcast, and find quick links to do both over at journeytograteful.com. And please consider rating and reviewing the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Sharing your experience with the show can help to deliver the podcast to many people in need of an insightful grief resource. As you grieve, your support system of family and friends has helped you navigate your loss. And in the very same manner, so will this podcast and our shared stories. Speaking to others about their grief experiences has helped me better understand grief, if for no other reason than to know that everyone's grief is different. Our experiences, our circumstances, every aspect of our loss, and the manner in which we attempt to move forward has differences which, when shared, can enlighten us and hopefully help us by presenting a slightly different perspective on a grief detail that we may have pushed aside or simply overlooked. To that end, today's episode is a chat I had with an old friend at her suggestion. She reached out a couple of months ago and offered a concept of living with grief which she felt others may appreciate. In her own words, she suggested we discuss an idea that she has about grief. She said, I don't know if you've done this topic yet, but it is this. As long as grief is going to be your constant companion, you may as well make friends with it. Now, at first, this concept may be considered a bit surprising, but it's one I firmly believe we need to consider for so many reasons, many of which her and I will touch upon in our discussion. So come along with us as we discuss making a friend of grief and why this might be something you'd want to consider. Today's episode, I'm welcoming a friend to the show. This is Jane Lippold, and I'm going to have Jane introduce herself and what brings her to the show. I've known Jane for many, many years, probably far too many years than we would both like to admit. And she kind of approached me and had a suggestion as to a specific topic that would be good to discuss on the show. And I completely agreed, and I figured, let's go ahead and have a conversation. So I welcome to the show, Jane. Jane, please feel free to explain why you're here and who you are. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. I've been following your podcast since you started it a few years ago, and it always really resonated with me because back in 2017, um, in May, my husband and my daughter and I experienced the loss 
of our son and brother, Joey. Joey was 21 at the time. He was living down at UWM and he had some issues with basically a girlfriend. And as a result of that, he took his own life. That's obviously super devastating. We struggled for a long time to come to grips with what that meant for our family. It was obviously difficult for all of us in our own ways. I, as his mother, my daughter lost her only sibling. My husband lost his son, who was the one he watched football games with and talked about died ducks with. And then he also had a very loving, extensive family and a ton of friends. Since then, it's been over six years now, we've all kind of come to grips with what has happened in our family, sort of in our own ways. And I kind of thought about the different ways that we have each sort of chosen to grieve. Some people might choose to grieve in a way that's less productive, like just ignore it or hope it goes away. Close your eyes. Don't look at the pictures. Don't look at the videos. Don't, Don't really address it. Some of us just wallow. And we want to see every picture we possibly can and every single nook and cranny of our our lost loved one's lives. Like I have been greedy for new pictures because we only have so many pictures. And then kind of on my own, sort of decided that I had to embrace the grief that I felt for a couple of reasons. First of all, to give up my grief would almost be to like let go of that last thread connecting me to my child. I understand that. Yep. Second, I realized it's never going away. The grief is never going away. So best to make friends with it. But brought me here to you, Tim, because I, I thought that would be something that you would want to talk about. Definitely. I think it's an important concept to share with everybody because There are so many different facets to grief, and grief definitely does progress through the days, the weeks, the months, and the years. Grief, like you said, is not going to go away. It's always going to be there. So I really appreciate the mindset that you were able to bring yourself to, to say, I realize it's going to be here all the time, so I might as well make friends with grief. That's an odd concept. If you just say it out loud, not really consider about the details. And if you're somebody who's only supporting somebody through grief and not necessarily touch that deeply and that personally, it might be really odd to hear this. So explain in a little bit more detail how you've been able to make friends with grief and what that really truly means to you. So, of course, at the very beginning, when anyone is in the earliest stages of grief, it's just overwhelming. And you just really don't have, you don't really have a choice as to how to deal with it because it just deals with you. You are at its mercy, kind of like adopting a lion. The beginning, you are, you are very afraid of the lion and you are very at the mercy of the lion, but eventually you can tame the lion. In terms of grief, at first, obviously, in the first year, in the first two years, I'm going to say it was overwhelming. It was, it was debilitating. We couldn't function in our jobs. It was hard to function as a student for my daughter, although she did have a nice distraction of going away to college eventually. But she struggled a little bit following her brother's death. It's overwhelming. One thing I have to say is through part of my psychotherapy that I went to, um, mm-hmm. which 
ironically, I did not go to for grief counseling. I went to for counseling about how to do my job because I was, as a teacher, I felt very um, inadequate. Like I wasn't doing my job very well. So I started out with my therapist to say, okay, this happened to me. And here I am trying to be a classroom teacher and lead young people and I'm failing. So I need to somehow figure out a way to do this better. And she taught Mm -hmm. me about compartmentalization, where you allow yourself to focus on your grief during certain parts of the day. And then during other parts of the day, you kind of put it out of your mind so that you can do other things. And that was like kind of where it clicked in for me that, oh, I can function. I can do things that are hard. And maybe I cry about my son on the way to work. And maybe I cry on the way home from work, but I don't cry while I'm at work. I really like the concept that it's not an all or nothing proposition. Mm -hmm. It can come and go. You can allow it or not allow it. And then it thus works into your life so that you can have a life and so that you can keep moving. That's really good. I like that. Super important. And it was super helpful for me to go to her and learn that skill because that's what kind of got me to the point of accepting what had happened, understanding I couldn't do anything to change it, Mm -hmm. and learning to live with it. And Mm -hmm. from there, it just went to not just learning to live with it, but really thinking about my grief as an extension of my love for my child. I can't physically do anything for him anymore. I can't express my love in the way that a mother normally would. But I can express it by embracing my grief because we all know grief is just love with no place to go. I look at my grief as my connection to him. I look at my grief as something that I do for myself and for my son. It helps me to, to realize I'm still growing as a human being. I'm still learning new things every day. I'm still functioning. I'm still doing what a a normal woman in my age has to do. But I also hold space for Mm. my grief because Mm -hmm. it's a constant companion. Mm. And if I spent all my time and energy fighting against it and not wanting to feel it, uh, that would be super counterproductive to being a fully functioning human being. That is wonderful. I really like so many points that you, you brought up. The whole idea to get to the point where you can tell yourself and admit to yourself, come to the realization that you cannot change it is, is a, a larger piece of the puzzle that I think most people understand because that inability to change it is absolute and positive loss of control. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. that is debilitating and it's such a, it's such an emptiness that I don't think there's words that really can can describe it. And coming at any of this discussion, you have to keep in mind that there are different experiences with grief and different losses. And just comparing your loss and my loss, my loss was something that happened over time. And we were able to, as much as you can, prepare for it. Your loss was immediate, shocking, and sudden. Coming at loss in those two different 
ways is also a large piece of the puzzle on how your grief is going to journey through your life. And I think people need to understand that. A hole is opening up underneath you and you are just falling in, like uh out of the blue. And while I don't envy anybody who has to do the mental and physical preparation for a loss the way that you did, to be presented with this, it's done. It's a done deal. Is pain of a variety that I've never felt before and hope I never feel again. I can't Um, even imagine. Can't even imagine. So I feel like we've come a long way with with this. And I know that this whole idea of kind of embracing my grief and and making a place for it. And how do I do that? I do that by journaling a lot. I physically talk to my son and share things with him throughout yep. the day. I say goodnight yep. to him every night. Yep. Uh, invite him along on trips, look for signs that maybe spiritually he is there, which sure. we have gotten quite a few of. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Might be a whole other show. <laughs> um, That's great. And trying to enjoy things that he enjoyed and trying to honor him with our actions. We raise funds for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention every year. That is something that I feel is a productive use of our grief. Yep. We would love to prevent other people from experiencing what we have gone through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we try to help in that way. Little things like that, I feel like, are all born of the grief that we feel, the love that we feel for him still, and ways to to deal with it, honor it, and to acknowledge it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it's it's a huge difference to face the grief versus setting it aside, burying it, and trying to ignore it. And you started out the conversation that way, which so many people probably experience both because they try one way and they discover that it doesn't work. As a family, as a whole, did you all three experience the way to handle grief differently? I think so. My husband is not a very outward feeling emotional person sure. to okay. begin with. And so the first few days, obviously, we were all devastated and we all did a lot of expressing of our emotions. And then at a yep. certain point, he kind of just went, okay, I'm, I'm done showing it on the outside. For him, he's one of the more internalizing his, whereas mm-hmm. I am more outspoken. I'll put things out there. Friends and family understand. They know how I feel. Talk yeah. to people at my work about it. I crave any kind of interaction with anything that had to do with my son. So mm-hmm. I love to be his friends. I've been to many of their weddings, which are also sort of grief bombs because mm-hmm. looking at other young people moving on with their lives is not the easiest, but we try to be really happy for them and try to imagine that if he were here, Joey would be at their weddings and be happy for them. And so we try to honor him by doing that as well. That's going to be a hard, positive, negative pull when you are expressing your excitement for his friends to get married and have these milestones. And you're also I would assume that you are fighting the obvious. He will never be able to do that. However, on the positive side, you see how he would be acting at that wedding and you see what he would be doing. And that's so 
so fun to see, but it's also so sad at the same time. How do you even have a conversation with grief when that is happening? That's one of those times when comfort minimalizing is really helpful. So perfect example, my best friend's daughter got married this past weekend, and she was three months older than my son. Ah. From the time we were pregnant at the same time, those two kids were kind of not companions because we lived very far apart, but sure. parallel. They lived parallel lives, and we saw each other occasionally. They knew of each other. Mm-hmm. And I went to this wedding determined not to bring down the mood or allow anything that I was feeling to become a parent mm-hmm. while I was there. I did not want anybody to know or think about the fact that I might be grieving a little bit while I'm at that wedding. So compartmentalizing my feelings while I was there. And then once we were home, maybe having a little cry about it, kind of putting it off, postponing, sick, little grief bomb. It was super important to me because obviously I did not want anybody to get brought down by what I might be going through. And of course, time allows you to become better and better at that. Absolutely. So yes. any event that is like, a, oh, well, he would have kind of, quote, been doing this or he would have been doing that. Any of those types of events, I kind of try that compartmentalization trick where you sort of say, I can't think about that right now, mm-hmm. but I'm going to make time and a space to think about that later. This is all just reality, unfortunately, but... It's also the reality that we have to face at some point in time. And uh, the compartmentalizing seems to be really something most people could try and see if it really would fit for them. Because you cannot ignore what happened, what's happening, what you've lost. There's always something. As After six years, there's always something bringing it back to the forefront of your mind. And it's not the easiest thing to deal with. When it does happen, you talked about your daughter. How has she been able to have her own conversation with her grief? She keeps it very private. I think it's more what she chooses to share with me. As a family, my husband and I decided very early on after my son passed away that we would not make another secondary victim of his death by making our daughter feel like she's not enough by herself. So we made a very constant, we had a very conscious conversation about making sure that she understood that even if it's just her, she is enough for us. That's wonderful. That is really, wow. I applaud you both for for having that conversation and for for going that far. It was super important. We never wanted her to think like, well, now I had a brother and now I don't. And my parents are always thinking about him. That's reasonable for her to think that. Whether it's true or not, it's very reasonable for her to come to that point. Right. So we worked hard to make sure that that did not happen. We made sure that we fully supported everything that she was doing, made everything basically all about her. Throughout her high school career, she played volleyball. I never missed a game. We gave her sweet 16 birthday party the year, not even a year after Joey died, both to cheer her up and also to just show her that we totally support her and love her and wanted to make sure that she was happy. So maybe for the first year or two, we all at home talked quite a bit more about Joey Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and were very open about it. And then after a while, it was almost like, 
that little passageway of where we were all speaking of him very frequently kind of narrowed. And every now and then now one of us will say something and it, it just happens organically, like whenever somebody is thinking something. So while we were at my friend's daughter's wedding, Tori did get a little bit emotional. And she said, I just know that Joey would have thought that Gigi was so beautiful. So nice. just little shared things like that. My daughter also attended therapy, which was very helpful. I think she journaled. I can't be sure. But I know that she does have a, a notebook that she writes in. So I'm assuming that she journaled about him. Mm-hmm. I know she sh- leaned a lot on her friends. And I think that was because she did not want to overburden us with her grief as well as no. our grief. She's mm-hmm. a very intelligent young lady and emotionally intelligent and kind of has a good intuition about that kind of thing. Um, I never really tried to hide my grief or its manifestations from yeah. my family. But I, I do remember one night shortly after his death, like maybe a month, maybe two months, everybody else went to bed and I was upset. And I just was sitting out in my living room, just crying. And she came out to comfort me. And it was just a lovely moment. She understands that we love her just as much as we possibly can. Our love and our grief for her brother don't take away from her. I also don't want to put too much pressure on her that she feels like she has to make up for anything. Oh, yeah, that's a very good point. The idea that now mom and dad lost Joey, so now I have to be perfect or I have to be this great, wonderful achiever. We try to be very mindful of all of the little pitfalls that could happen after you lose a child or a sibling. Yeah, it's so interesting to hear the details, knowing you, knowing your your story. I've had thoughts, I've had assumptions, but to hear you talking about how you make sure that your daughter doesn't feel one way or the other, that she understands that her life is enough and that she does have her life to live and that she should not be trying to live it for herself as well as for her brother. And that is a piece that I never considered, but it makes perfect sense. And I'm so impressed that you and your husband have made strides, that that's how she knows you feel. Because a lot of times we think that we are communicating things to our kids and we sometimes don't. Sometimes it's truly our fault. Sometimes it's something that Maybe we think about it enough that we think that we actually said it out loud. At least that's my story, and I'm going to stick to it. (laughs) It it is huge to also have those times when you all, as a family, can feel free to talk about anything that's happening at any time. Yeah. And the other thing that we try to really be careful not to fall into is this, uh, what often happens when someone loses someone that they love that all of a sudden everything they did was perfect or that they were this wonderful human being and they're an angel. We try not to lionize him in any respect. I mean, certainly he had faults and flaws as we do. We all do. We do find things to laugh about regarding both our kids. That's been something that's been part of our family ever since its inceptions, finding humor and yeah, being able to talk about him in inside our family and even outside of our family. Anybody who knows me knows I don't shy away from saying my child's name or talking about him, bringing it up when it's appropriate. I don't bring him up extraneously, but 
Mm-hmm. That's part of also making friends with my grief is to allow other people to know that I am comfortable talking about him. They're not making me feel bad. They're not reminding me of it if they bring his name up as people might be reluctant to say something because, well, I'm going to remind them and I don't want to do that. And obviously you and I know there is no reminding. We live with this all day, every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you are comfortable enough to, in a normal conversation, if it's pertinent and it makes sense to bring up Joey and what he would have done or man, he would have loved this. It does comfort them as well. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I I understand people's hesitation and I understand that thought, however flawed it is, that they think that they're the ones that are going to remind us that we have lost our loved one. But it's also part of being a friend with grief to understand that some of this is also our responsibility to give permission to others to speak about them. And that's a, that's a wonderful step. I love how you, you do that. So what else do we need to know about your experience? Anything that you've discovered and this whole idea of making friends with grief? Honestly, there are so many graphics out there that describe how you can make grief a part of your life without being your whole life, I guess. The pebble in your pocket, the the artwork of the jar with the giant ball inside it, and instead of the ball getting smaller, the jar gets bigger. You grow around it. These all resonate with me incredibly much. They're the visual reminders that you don't have to try to get rid of your grief. It's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. What you should do, if it's at all possible, is to try to kind of embrace it, make it part of how you express your love for the person that you lost. It's a way to continue that relationship with the person that you lost, whereas instead of it just being a dead end, you still have this continuous connection through your grief and allow it when it needs to be felt to feel it. Allow yourself to feel it. It's going to make, or at least for me, it made my life easier once I realized all of these things because I'm no longer fighting this battle uh, against my own feelings. I'm accepting them. I'm making space for them. Maybe I have to uh, put them off a little bit when it's not a good time, Mm -hmm. but I eventually always allow myself to feel those feelings. So a lot of that is also giving yourself grace and potentially giving yourself a little self-care. In this particular case, I would suggest it might be mental self-care where you are allowing yourself and saying, it's okay for me to push it off to a little bit later and come back to it, fall apart if I need to. That's okay. And I also want to say it's okay if you really need to feel it immediately to say no to other things. There were days when I was a teacher just physically couldn't go to school. Mm. And I would have to have a day to just stay home and cry. And when that happened, and this was obviously much earlier in my grieving process, like shortly after my son died, I'd say for maybe the first two or three years, I just took a mental health day. I stayed home. I knew nobody else was going to be in the house. And I reread all the funeral cards or I looked at videos, just whatever I could, because at the very beginning, of course, and you probably know this, it just feels like you're a balloon filling up with air. And then eventually at a certain oh, yeah. point, you're, you have to let some of the air out mm-hmm. or you're going to fuck. So I looked at those days as I have to let some of the air out because I'm getting too stressed and 
trying to keep it at bay for too long. So even making a date with yourself to have a little grief time, reading something or looking at something or looking at pictures or thinking about certain things are going to bring you to tears. Sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you just have to like make that date with yourself to to have that time of grieving. I wish everybody could see me shaking my head because I am totally shaking it. I have a couple of things that if I know that I need to release and I need to cry and I need to feel the pain and the sorrow and be sad, there's a song that I will listen to or a video that I will pop up or some photos that I will go through and it's because I just need it. And I love that you said it's like a balloon being filled with the air and you can only fill it so much and then you have to have that release. Mm-hmm. And again, as you go through and as you get farther along in your journey, maybe that doesn't have to happen as frequently. Mm-hmm. But for me, even six years later, I, I still have to allow myself that time. Although at the beginning, we all gave each other our space and how you feel is how you feel and we yes. respect that. And we were very, very good about doing that. And that's one of the things I think they, they say a lot of times when a family loses a child, oftentimes the parents will get divorced because they just can't deal with the pain and don't know how to relate to each other. And I have to say, we, I don't know, for the grace of God, maybe found a way to give each other what we needed and we're very considerate of each other's feelings. And so even now, when I know my husband probably doesn't want to think about our son's death or ruminate on anything, if I do need to go do something on my own to feel that or to go cry or have a grief time, I will try to do that without imposing it on one of the other members of my family. I assume that you two had to work on your relationship in a much different way than before. Yeah, although it's funny because it almost seems like it's brought all three of us closer together. Just even, for example, when we were making decisions about how to handle the funeral, when this was brand new and fresh and we were just raw and in so much pain, we discussed it. We included our daughter in the planning so that she would not feel like she was just getting told what was going to happen, but that she Mm -hmm. actually had input. And if one of us didn't want something, then the other two were like, okay, we'll do it like that. So just the respect and the consideration that we all had for each other, I, like I said, that might've just been a little gift from God to kind of temper some of the pain that we were in. It also says a lot about who you all are certainly for your daughter, how you raised her, the things that you instilled upon her, and of course, how she saw you and your husband dealing with this. The mm-hmm. fact that you were open with your grief, the fact that you were also strong at the same time, that goes a long way. And you can be sad, you can uh, feel the feels, and you can be strong all at mm-hmm. the same time. And it seems like an absolute impossibility, but those things can happen and can occur and can live together. There is strength in vulnerability. Yes. And to show someone that you're vulnerable, but that you're also willing to go to bat for them, that you're willing to put their feelings first. Sometimes I look back and I wonder how my mind actually did some of these things because the, the circumstances were so horrifying that 
Sure. You know, you, you start to wonder, like, how did I ever make that decision? How did I think of that sure. uh, to yeah. behave yeah. so mindfully when it came to our family and our dynamic? Because it's devastating. I did a journal entry once where I tried to write down as many words for pain as I could. None of them seemed to do it. None of them came close to the actual feeling mm-hmm. that it brings about. So to be mindful during that kind of agony, I, I look at it and think about it and, and wonder how all three of us managed to do it. With you saying that you look back sometimes and you wonder, and in no way does your experience and my experience equate in any way. But again, because of what we talked about before, because it was such a sudden and unexpected loss, I can't even imagine. But I have certainly had those same lookbacks and think about how we did this, how we did that, even as simple. And, and this is really stupid, but how did we possibly walk down the aisle at church and not absolutely fall apart? It's the littlest weirdest things that you will start thinking about. And people just don't get this. They don't know. I can't imagine what you all went through. I'd say you had many more obstacles to overcome because you had no way of even looking forward into the future or ahead as to what to prepare yourself for. Right. However, sometimes when we're thrown into situations where we have no choice, We find the strangest strength because it's just kind of automatic pilot, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like anybody who loses someone as close as a child or a mother or a spouse Mm -hmm. or an immediate family member like that has that same. It's, it's great. It's not, it's awful. Yeah. One of the things that bothered me so much. And literally, I was thinking this as my colleague was driving me home from work after I found out about my son, mm-hmm. is I'm a fixer. I'm a problem solver. Oh, yeah. I want to do, if there's like a obstacle in my way, I want to find a way to remove it or get around it. And even in those first 20, 30 minutes after learning of my son's passing that I'm on my way home with my colleague driving my car, thinking, I, there's nothing I can do to change this. That was very hard to accept. The fact that it's too late. It's a done yeah. deal. It's, yeah. I can't do anything. Yeah. That helpless feeling is, is terrible. And I'm sure that must be the how you feel when the doctors tell you. Yeah. And you wreck yeah. your brain thinking there's got to be something and there's mm-hmm. really just not. Mm-hmm. That, that was difficult personally for me because I am a problem solver. Yeah, and I don't um, think that you will ever feel that helpless ever again. Right. Not, I can't think of too many circumstances where that is a part of life, where there's yes. just absolutely, it's, it's a no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was hard. Very good point. Oh, my goodness. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. I love the things that we touched upon. One thing that you said way in the beginning is it, it was... It, Grief in a way is like adopting a lion. I had never heard that before. And as you explained it, I was like, that is just brilliant. I love that you're also talking about and living with this idea, this conscious knowledge that grief is a constant companion. And I think that 
that's a huge, huge hill to climb. And once you get over that particular hill, I mean, it's by no means smooth sailing, but I love the, the thought process there. And then, of course, just all the different ways that you have to continue your conversation with your person. It can be literally you're alone and you're talking to them, or it can be through the memories that you have, the photos, the videos, just so much. So I think this entire conversation is really centered on how in the world do we actually live with grief because we truly have no choice. The amount of strength that I have always known from your story and I had occasion to be able to be with some family members and your daughter. And that was pretty soon afterwards. I really don't even know if it was a year after or just months after the strength that I saw in her, even at that point was so impressive. And now I know why, because she had you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Any last thing that you need to touch upon? I don't think so. I just, and I don't want anyone who might be listening to this who is new to their grief to think, oh, that's simple. I'm just going to do this and it'll be okay. Um, It does take time. It takes time and you just have to be patient with yourself. You have to allow yourself to grieve in whatever way is best for you. It might look totally different from how I've chosen to grieve. My husband and I grieve in different ways. We hold on to our grief in different ways. My daughter as well. I, I really feel like there is no wrong way to do it. And whatever makes you feel more at peace. For me, I I always think about my life in terms of like a, a continuum. And I, I have days where I have happiness mm-hmm. and I have days where I have peace. I'm working on joy and it's, we're kind of getting in the right direction. But peace, I think, is what people really crave more than anything else, just to have that peace that you can sleep at night and peace that you can go through your day without a ton of anxiety. So whatever brings you that peace throughout your grieving process, I think, is is what you should do. Eventually, grief being your constant companion, if you learn to make it your friend, I think you will have that peace more. Well said. Well said. Thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for so having me. I so appreciate your story. You're very welcome anytime. And you and the entire family, big giant hugs to all of you. Thanks. And same back to you and your family. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. All right. Take care. You too. I'd like to thank Jane one more time for coming on the show and sharing with us her thoughts and the new mindset that she had to adjust to 
for her and her family to take steps forward in their grief journey. And I thank you as my listeners for joining the Journey to Grateful podcast. I am thankful for you taking the time to listen to this podcast and sharing it with others. I also encourage you to stop by the community on social media, share your own story and insights on grief, and join our family in helping others on their path with grief. Head on over to journeytograteful.com slash community to find ways to join the conversation and make a difference through your very own story. Now, while you're on the site, sign up for my bi-monthly newsletter designed to provide you inspiration and motivation. And if you would like a more personal connection, I invite you to connect with me directly via email. That's tim at journeytograteful.com. But let's not stop there. Why not give me a call, leave me a voice message, or at any time, simply text me. The number is 262-298-2428. That number is 262-298-CHAT. And lastly, help me build this community, broaden my reach, and support my mission by reviewing this show and telling others why you listen over at Apple Podcasts. And I've provided for you a leave a review button at journeytograteful.com over on the homepage there or the podcast page. Your support of this podcast through your comments is a powerful thing you can do for the entire community right now today. So thank you very much for considering it. In light of the previous discussion, which somewhat focused on the steps and mindset we may need to adjust our lives to, just so that we may consider the idea of taking steps forward ourselves, I found a quote from James Patterson's book, Angel, which is appropriate for this discussion. He writes, The weird, weird thing about devastating loss is that life actually goes on. When you're faced with tragedy... A loss so huge that you have no idea how you can live through it. Somehow, the world keeps turning. The seconds keep ticking. Now, I appreciate the impact of that very last phrase. The seconds keep ticking. And sometimes, very slowly. And other times, with a deafening volume. And here's what I've discovered. There's a common thread that exists with most people who have lost a loved one. It is their surprise of the passing of time. Time becomes the measure of distance from the last moment you held your loved one's hand, heard their voice, or their infectious laugh. Time becomes this unstopping entity which, in the beginning, you can't comprehend why it will not stop for your grief. The seconds keep ticking can also be a prompt, a challenge, if you will, silently whispering that you too must keep ticking forward. And I personally hope you find a way to do so. Thank you again, my friends, for joining me today. Let me know your thoughts on today's episode or any previous episodes. And for those who are walking on their path with grief, I hope you find a way to walk confidently on your journey to grateful. Bye-bye.